going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy day after Election Day 2019. We'll call it that. My mind is definitely elsewhere, though. We'll continue with the election stuff, but a little programming note. This will be my last show for a week. Just wanted to get. I wanted to play with your hearts and minds for a second. What last show already? He's only been here six months. No, it's uh, I'm going to be taking a little week off. There's a little event going on this weekend that has got my attention. Frankly, set my my attention for the last couple of weeks. I'm getting married. I'm a little scared. No, I'm not. I get to marry my best friend. I mean, how much better can it get? I'll get all gushy and mushy at the end of the show. Don't you worry. It'll rip your hearts out first. We're going to talk a little bit election. Uh, you just heard during Rob's show, Jason Kenny uh, speaking as premier designate today, announcing a few of the da- uh, big dates. We're going to have the swearing in later on this month. And the third week of May is when the next session will begin. And we're also getting a sense of where the direction is going to be for this party, at least in the immediate future. Bill one, as promised, carbon tax repealing. But don't be expecting any kind of uh, kickbacks because guess what? The federal... Uh, carbon tax is going to be taking effect right afterwards. And then you get into the whole rigmarole of lawsuits and everything else. We'll talk a little business with Sandeep Lally from the Calgary Chamber of Commerce in just a couple of minutes to get a sense of what order number one should be in getting things back up and rolling again and and talk a little bit about the the atmosphere around business here in Calgary today and, and in the foreseeable future, especially the next six months. I get the feeling... That's going to be really the big temperature gauge. I, it's not like we turned on the lights this morning and all the businesses were back up and running again. Patience is going to be a virtue, I think, for a lot of people because not only does this government need to get its uh, wheels in motion, get all of its ministers figured out, the cabinet, and Jason Kenney was asked that question. First, second question, actually. He was asked about uh, the RCMP investigation uh, right off the bat, he says he's not aware of it. And then he was asked, so who's going to make up a cabinet? Yeah, he doesn't know yet. Clearly, it's day one. He hasn't even been sworn in yet. Uh, so we'll get into that. We'll also talk a little bit about the social media battle and something that has come up. We, we chatted with Jared Wesley from the University of Alberta a few weeks ago about how he's going to track some of the topics that were up for debate when using the hashtag ABVote. And as it turns out, as much as you might have heard, hey, that's a totally other battle that nobody's paying attention to. Guess what? Apparently conservatives were too. And they may have actually won that battle too. Talk to Jared about that after five o'clock. Also, a great little story about Canadians preferring experiences over material goods. Rob Evans from Backpacker College will join us after 4.30. And... Great story from Gil Tucker last night that I wanted to bring back into the spotlight in case you missed it. The Calgary Young People's Theater facing a little bit of a challenge right now when it comes to equipment. Some of their comrades in the arts and in the theater are going to be leaving their space. But when they do, they're not going to they're going to be walking away with the equipment, too. So. Kristen Evely is going to join us after 530 to talk about uh, what exactly they're looking for and, and what they're hoping to accomplish with their GoFundMe account. And we'll give a little bit of a background on who they are, because I actually had never heard of them up until 
I read Gil's story last night on globalnews.ca. We'll check that out after 5.30. I have a giveaway to get to. We've got some movie passes that, not right now, but we will at some point during the course of the show today. And like I said, I'll get all mushy. And writing vows is hard. I I had no idea. Such an emotional person nowadays. Good grief. We'll get to that before the end of the show today. We're going to start things off talking last night's election and what's to come in the next six months. Uh, Calgary Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Sandeep Lawley joining us next here on Calgary Today. All right, let's get into the topic du jour of the day. And that is, I mean, Jason Kenny even had it right in front of his podium today. Open for business. That has been the theme for the UCP, and that is what got them that strong majority vote last night and yesterday. And through the, the very, very busy, and he, he made a great point in terms of this was an historic vote. As much as you may not like the results, or maybe you do, I, I was shocked by a few things, but I'll get into my own thoughts a little later on. But at the same time, this is something that Albertans have certainly spoken. And now it's going to be up to the Jason Kenney UCP government to deliver on said promises. Because if they don't, there's going to be a whole lot of disappointed Albertans. I'll be one of them. I'll be watching closely. I'm, I'm really excited about the idea that we are going to be having this open for business idea. I'm a little hesitant only because I, I'm curious if this is going to work because we keep getting Fed promises all the time, but I'm open to the idea. And I think who else is open to, to this idea is Sandeep Lolly at the, uh, pres- uh, the Calgary Chamber of Commerce president and CEO. Sandeep, thanks so much for the time today. Yeah, thanks for the conversation. Uh, let's start off with just a general reaction comment first. And, and after watching the results roll in, uh, what's top of mind now for the Chamber of Commerce? Yeah, you know, we offered our congratulations to Premier Designate Jason Kenney, and, you know, we thank uh, Premier Notley and her team um, for for their time as well. And and so that was quite quite the night yesterday uh, and being called so early. But you know what? For us, really the next, or uh, this government, uh, uh, the Kenney's government, our priority is to make sure that the province regains its competitiveness and, and gets its fiscal house in order. Mm-hmm. From that standpoint, I know one of the big messages from the campaign, from the, the UCP team, was we want to make Alberta open for business again. And I believe Jason even said that during his speech last night. What needs to happen in your eyes to get us to that point where we can open the door and put up the sign and say, yep, business is open? Yeah, you know, the umbrella piece of this is the fiscal house and having a long-term fiscal plan and having the levers of say like the corporate tax and looking at carbon tax and the labor all those things are levers within a a long-term fiscal plan so that's what we are looking forward to is understanding what is that long-term fiscal plan and what does that mean because that's going to provide certainty to business and to investors and that's going to equate to the fact that we're open for business we're open for growth 
over the before we hit the uh, on button on the microphones, I, I, I made a passing comment about how the next six months will be really interesting. Interesting to see how uh, his team is put together and how all the wheels are sort of set in motion. Is that the time frame that? Because I know that there's sort of this thought out there that hey, we need to we can get right to it and business is open right now, but it's going to take a little bit of patience, won't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, like I was telling people, it's not like we woke up this morning and we have market access for energy. We have new customers. We have, you know, all of these things, right? So it is going to take the first six months. But what we're looking forward to is, you know, when the UCP government keeps these promises and sets the tone within the six months, that's that's that piece that people are going to say, okay, Alberta's got its house in order. We've got a federal election in in October. So that's what that means. That's what it's going to take to bring that competitiveness back. And so I feel like they've got some time between now and the federal election as well to to make sure they have the fiscal plan that's going to be for growth and has free market policies that pull things forward. There's been a lot of talk about the uh, business tax and what the the Kenny UCP party platform was all about. And then there was the pushback saying, hey, we're already the the lowest taxed jurisdiction in this country. So where do you where do you see this going? Where do you see this argument happening when when it comes to uh, cutting the business tax, for example? Is that going to be the the green light, so to speak, for businesses to say, hey, this is the, the way of the times and it's time to get on board with it yeah you know studies have indicated even like a, a minor point change like a couple point change in corporate tax can stimulate and broaden the economy and the tax base but it's fine to talk about you know the jurisdictions in canada but where are we losing investment capital to whether it's the u.s or other places that's what we have to look at in calgary is that we're competing in a global marketplace so just the fact that in canada we're the lowest doesn't necessarily mean we're competitive to where our investors are coming from, right? So if you're going to put a dollar into Calgary or you're going to put a dollar into Japan or or U.S. is often used, right? Like that's what investors are looking at. And so that's why we say it has to be competitive. Mm-hmm. From the competitive standpoint as well, I know a lot of talk as well about uh, the the minimum wage and whether there's going to be different rules put in place. I don't see it being rolled back at all, but at the same time, there have been some comments about that. How integral is making the right move by the UCP government for especially small business here in the city? I think for small business at this point, it's providing that certainty instead of opening the door. You know what? It's 15 bucks and that's what it is. And and I don't know, you know, if, what they're going to do with the, what the, you know, Notley government had proposed for increases and stuff. But if that's what it is, then just let us know, right? And that's, some of that stuff will come under that whole fiscal plan for the UCP government that they're going to put forward. But some of it might be just an easy one to say, you know what, well, we're not going to touch that. Or we are, and this is what it's going to look like. Like, let us know sooner than later, because... That's what, that's that's just it. That that full suite of what is the policies that are going to move forward, and if minimum wage is one of those that are going to get adjusted, let us know sooner because then we will adjust our cost structures and our pricing to our customers. What are some things that you would like to see the Kenny government do that continues with the any kind of momentum that the Notley government had? I would say continue in balance on the economy, right? There's 
been such an effort and momentum towards innovation and companies doing great things in multiple sectors. And so that, like, continue that, continue the innovation that's happening in agriculture, in supply chain. Like, I think I had mentioned maybe previously when we talked, like, we are going to have the second largest cancer center in the world here. So let's figure out how to commercialize that research. Like, that, like keep the focus on the full balance of the Alberta economy. And I would say continue with that momentum. On the flip side of that would be to make sure that we're advocating for our province as well, especially when it comes to pipelines and the energy industry as well, because that was one of the big complaints about the NDP government was it didn't feel as though there was a lot of pushback when uh, when others were pushing us at in the first place. Yeah, you know, I would say we, we still need that national vision on our natural resources. So the chamber, uh, along with our uh, peer group, there's eight of us that are the top chambers in Canada, and we're working on that as well, is to say, what is the national vision for our resource economy? And we have to say it from Alberta in a way that gets heard. And the way that it gets heard is to make sure we have end conversations. So getting oil and gas to at world price to our markets, and how do we move forward with energy for for the future, right? Renewables and other pieces move it in an and conversation. So that is still needed. That it, that I mean, I know that there's been you know through the election there was a lot of like aggressive uh, talk between both parties, and it's like yeah, but we need to get it to a point where we're heard and we're listening. And we are actually moving a national vision forward for our natural resources economy. Sandeep, we I, the thing that I always love doing is making you put or making people take out their crystal balls. And if you look at in your crystal ball four years from now, what do you think determines success for the UCP government? I would look at it as a previous business owner, and uh, I know folks that would really appreciate certainty over the next four years of what it means to invest in Alberta and how is that going to retain investor confidence, right? And so, yes, we're going to have things like we will have our market access. We will have our agri-food businesses be, you know, the center of excellence for ag. You know, that kind of stuff will happen. We will have our cancer center built and we will have figured out how research is going to get commercialized. You know, there, there are tenants that are going to come, but most importantly, people are going to say, was the fiscal house in order and did they operate with certainty around regulations and tax? Did they improve investor confidence and business confidence? That's what they're going to look at. And then obviously they'll say, did, was I able to contribute to my community better? Because that is quite important that kind of gets lost is that business owners and business leaders and companies do want to contribute to a vibrant community. And so did the did our philanthropic sector uh, prosper? Or did our sponsorship stuff you know, prosper? Like, were we able to get that step back into our vibrancy, into our communities? Because that's going to mean a lot to people. How much do you think it's going to mean to the business community if we can retain some level of 
uh, civility, I suppose, in in the dialogue around politics. It's been an ugly campaign, and I can't. It's been challenging on on one hand because I feel like a lot of industries have been pitted against one another mm-hmm. uh, in this campaign. And how important is it going to be to try to get everybody on the same page and and looking out for the prosperity of everyone instead of just my my one niche network? Yeah, no, you know what? This is a great opportunity for Premier-designate Jason Kenney to, to kind of do a tone at the top and, and set that out and say, you know what, we're going to talk about policy. We're not going to talk about politics, right? I've, I've won. I'm the Premier. I'm going to focus on policy and really get into policy because I think that's what helped here. Like, that was our message from the Edmonton Chamber and the, uh, Alberta and uh, us as well. Is all about policy over politics. So if the Premier designate can set that tone from the top, that this is how this government's going to operate, then I think people will take the lead from that. Mm, Leadership always comes from the top, right? And it Mm. starts there. Uh, Sandeep, thank you so much for continuing the conversation with us here on Calgary today. Very much appreciated. Thanks for the time this afternoon. Yeah, no, thank you. And certainly I'm going to give credit to Jason Kenney during his uh, availability today, which you heard part of uh, before we got into the questions. It was a very conciliatory tone. It was very much a, hey, let's work together. He was, he was in Edmonton and he was saying, hey, listen, I know that you guys all, uh, a lot of you voted NDP. Listen, we're going to be here for you too. Now the question is going to be proof and pudding. What's going to happen in the future? That's what we'll be dissecting in the days and weeks ahead. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Turn our attention to, this one was a fun one in terms of, think about this one for a second. Ask yourself, would you rather experience something or would you rather buy something? Are you about the material stuff or are you about the memories that'll last a lifetime? Well, some new stats are pointing towards what people are liking and some of the worries they have as well. Rob Evans is the founder and CEO of Backpacker College and he joins us now on the program. Rob, thanks so much for the time. So you've done a little bit of research. You've asked Canadians, hey, do you prefer experiences or material things? And what did you guys find? What we found today, that there are essentially two things that hold people back from traveling. And traveling is, of course, in my opinion, the ultimate experience. The right type of things with the right type of people. It's life-changing. And so the two things that hold people back are fear and cost. So what Backpacker College looks to do is bring those things, uh, is optimize the opportunities that come by minimizing those two elements of fear and cost. And so what people want to do is some of them want to get into a city and explore the city, check out museums, things to do, places to go, and see what locals are doing with locals. The other half of travelers today want to get outside of the city and do different things. So people are finding more and more today that life is more important than things. And so what we're looking to do is help people find free and affordable, fun things to do in any college town. It's really funny that way is, and I'm a subscriber to the notion that, hey, my experiences are going to be way better than the material things that I have down the road. Like, I don't care how much money's in my bank account when I'm ready to uh, to go to the next life kind of thing, as long as I don't live with any regrets down the road. And it sounds like a few more people are kind of turning their eye to that, especially as we live sort of in this world marketplace now. Yeah, you're totally right. There's over half of millennials today 
interviewed. What they want to do is spend money on experiences. They're not looking to acquire that uh, that new awesome couch for their living room that they also don't want to have to be paying for. So more people are staying at home or more people are maximizing their budgets appropriately so that they can spend more on those experiences. And that's something that's important. This is the year that for the first time ever, there are more millennials than baby boomers. So what this means is experiences have to be tailored to the person. They have to fit with what people are really interested in doing when they want to do them. And it has to be easily accessible. They don't want to have to make 10 phone calls in order to find out what there is to do. It's uh, the Uber generation here. So what we're trying to do is simplify that for everybody and make it easy to find free and affordable fun things to do in any town. And one of the things that you guys are looking to do is expand your own selection by, from what I've read, 400%. What are you thinking here? <laughs> great, great question. Um, well, what we recognize is a platform like Backpacker College, it makes it simple for the traveler in that by recognizing that we've done some of the heavy lifting to find a, an affordable place for anyone to stay, that removes the barrier of, uh, do I feel safe or comfortable in the place that I, I can sleep at night? If you don't feel comfortable, where are you going to sleep at night? You're not likely to leave your home and go exploring the world or having those great experiences that, that might take place overnight. So we've done the work on that front. And we recognize that every college town in the world has the same phenomena. That is, they've got empty beds when students leave whether they be a professionally managed accommodation option or whether they be the college or university themselves, or even in, in other countries, um, uh, especially Europe and places like that, there are amazing hostels, the best kind, that are the right fit for backpacker college. So basically, if somebody wants an affordable place to stay and they don't want to have to spend an hour or a very long time online checking out the trustworthiness of their host, that's what backpacker college does for you. And then the experiences thing, again, we make it simple for anybody with their tastes and the things that they're looking for to help them find something that fits their interests whenever they go to any college town in the world. So the reason why we're going to 400 different cities is because the model works. There's empty beds that can be made available simply and easily for travelers to book. And I've got a theory, and uh, I, uh, I test this out whenever I'm able to, it's Anyone can have fun in any town. It's a matter of meeting the right people at any time of the year. So 12 months a year, on campus or off campus, we're going to find people affordable, safe places to stay, and help them find fun things to do. And if somebody's uh, bored, we'd encourage them, uh, starting in about three or four weeks, to check out Backpacker College, and we'll help them find something fun to do. Sounds like a plan to me, Rob. I do appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much, Joe. While the election campaign is certainly over, a lot of different storylines are certainly going to be talked about in the days and weeks and months ahead. Whether it is getting the economy back on track, whether it is putting more jobs out here in Alberta, whether it's getting more pipelines, what is going to be the ripple effects, if any, felt on education, public services as we go towards a balanced budget? Will there be any uh, movement on those kinds of fronts? Those are going to be some of the questions. Even one that I brought up today, and, and I do this all the time because I love math, is representation by population versus the popular vote. If you look at the numbers straight up, the Alberta Party, as an example, 
had 10% of the vote or thereabouts, and zero seats. This happens in every election. I make no bones about it. But it's a topic of conversation that once again is being happened that has been happening so far in the aftermath of yesterday's vote. It's not a uh, losers can't take the loss thing. It's just a matter of pure stats. Justin Trudeau has a majority government, what, 40% of the vote? I'm not a big fan of that. But how do you fix it? I don't I've got my ideas. We'll talk about those later on. One of the topics over the course of the campaign happened to be around whether the conversation on the doorstep was mirroring that on social media. And we had our next guest on. His name is Jared Wesley. He's an associate professor of political science, director of master's programs at the University of Alberta. I wanted to bring him back on to dive a little bit more into what he found and what he saw as he was going through the social media landscape. Jared, thanks so much for the time today. You bet. Last time we caught up, we talked about how you guys were monitoring the social media sphere and the conversations there. So let's start there. And who was winning in terms of the direction of the conversation on social media? Well, um, what we saw, the the conservatives in particular were very successful in making this uh, election all about economy and jobs. And that showed up not just at the doorstep, as Jason Kenney was saying, but also showed up on Twitter. Most of the conversations, particularly since the debate, was all about jobs in the economy and less about social policy issues, which tend to favor the NDP. Surprising that way, because as you mentioned, uh, Jason Kenney kind of said, hey, there's a whole other conversation happening on social media that no one's paying attention to. Well, apparently they were. Well, I think what he was referring to were were the, the two major episodes in the campaign that really drew the LGBTQ community out in, in droves, and those were the the GSA announcement that where the Kenny government intends to roll back some protections for GS, for uh, LGBTQ youth and their allies. Um, and then the, the what we call the bozo eruption with Mark Smith, right, mm-hmm. involving uh, his past comments that were deemed homophobic and misogynistic. So uh, those two issues, though, uh, were blips in our in our analysis. The, the conversation quickly turned within a couple of days back to jobs in the economy, uh, which apparently, according to most polls, is, is where what voters wanted to make this election all about. Was that surprising? Because I think that there was some uh, traction from especially progressives in this province that, hey, this is, you know, this is something that uh, is a, an epidemic, I guess, within the party. And yet it didn't really stick. It didn't really resonate at all. Well, but it, it, it worked in previous elections, right? It uh, worked in the sense that uh, it got the conservatives off message and talking about social policy issues, which is where left-leaning parties, or in, that, in one case in 2012, the PCs were really making a lot of hay. Uh, in this particular election, though, it, it wasn't enough. People were filtering a lot of that out, or at least willing to accept some of those misgivings because they really believe the Conservatives would be the party to bring back economic prosperity. Does this mean that progressives in this province need to rethink their strategy around how they're going to be uh, looking at the next election, or even beyond that is uh, the, the fe- upcoming federal election? I mean, J- Jason, uh, Justin Trudeau is going to have to be looking at this going, you know what, Conservatives have been running the, running the board provincially, and we haven't been winning in, or we haven't been winning in the tar and feather campaigns that have uh, resonated within those campaigns yeah and and we've got a survey that's about to go out in the field so i'll be able to answer that question more directly in about a month but i mean my sense is that conservative that uh, canadians aren't shifting to the right and and embracing conservatism i think what they're responding to is conservative parties that are able to empathize 
or at least validate their feelings of economic anxiety. Mm-hmm. And the and progressives, uh, not just here in Canada, but in the United States, have been really challenged to, to reach out to folks that feel, uh, quote-unquote, left behind. Uh, and conservatives have really embraced that kind of a populist uh, approach, kept it simple in campaigns like Kenny and his team did in this, this particular election. And progressives have got to find a way to not just look like they're being empathetic, but actually understand the anxiety that a lot of people in that are in dire straits economically are feeling. Is there a place for the middle? Or is the middle now going to have to go between NDP and UCP, depending on how they feel they've been treated socially? Well, yeah, it's important to note that while the parties are polarized, the electorate isn't. Mm-hmm. The, the vast majority of, of Albertans consider themselves to be in the political spectrum. And if you analyze their you know, their approach to social policy issues in particular, that shows up. Mm-hmm. So there, there definitely is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of voters in the center. Just the question is, can you, can you cobble together a, a party uh, with a platform and an attractive leader that appeals to that sense of centrism? The progressive conservatives did a very good job of it uh, for 44 years here in, in Alberta. Um, but there, there's not a sense, I don't think, in the polling results that we've seen, that the Alberta Party is the vehicle for that. And we certainly know the Liberal Party isn't given the brand's uh, reputation here in Alberta. Were they aggressive enough in trying to uh, appease that middle ground and paint the two parties as being more extreme than maybe they could have? Well, no, but I also give credit to both the NDP and the UCP for polarizing it and, and making Albertans make a really tough choice. I've said in the past that this is kind of a crossroads elections for, for Alberta. For years, Albertans can have perceived themselves as being socially progressive and, and economically conservative, and they've been able to park their vote with one party, mm-hmm. right? But in this election, neither of the, neither of the two major parties were allowing them to, to make that choice. <laughs> they, they carved up uh, the spectrum quite uh, quite effectively and left people with the the sense that voting for anybody but them would be a wasted vote, right? Yeah. So um, that's you know that that's the challenge ahead for the Alberta Party, um, if that in, is indeed the vehicle that the people want to use to to express that kind of centrist sentiment. What do you think is the number one piece of business that the UCP has to work on right off the hop, uh, heading into their first mandate? Uh, defeating the Trudeau Liberals in Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, I mean, quite quite frankly, that 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 is a, that is a, a really high stakes venture mm-hmm. um, because it, by repealing the carbon tax provincially, uh, the the federal government under Trudeau will replace it with a, with a federal carbon tax immediately. And while the Alberta government can take them to court, um, that is still going to be hanging over people's heads, probably heading into the next federal election. Only by um, electing a sheer government can. And can Kenny deliver on his promise to have Alberta re- remove the carbon tax completely, right? Right. So I, as much as we're going to talk about this being the summer of repeal and he's going to form a cabinet and probably get a first budget done, I can guarantee you there's a whole staff uh, that's going to stay on uh, with him to, to lead this campaign uh, in, into the fall to take on Trudeau's Liberals you know, federally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jared, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much for the insight, as always. You bet. And there is an interesting point to be made in all of that is, as he mentioned, hey, they've got a team. This team's been basically working together. You know, there's been pieces to it uh, that have come and gone. But this team has basically been at it since Jason Kenney went for the PC leadership. 
And then they went right into, hey, let's get the parties together. And then it's, hey, let's get Jason Kennedy to become leader of the UCP. And now it's uh, premier-designate Jason Kennedy. That team needs to be able to hit the ground running. Because I don't know if there's a lot of patience left for Albertans to sit there and go, all right, much different than I think the case was with the NDP. There was a little bit of a grace period right off the bat where it's, okay, we get it. There's a bunch of people who are basically new to politics. I think there's an expectation here that, hey, tackle the low-hanging fruit now. And judging by what Jason Kenney had to say earlier today, that's exactly what he's going to go after. Bill one again, repealing carbon tax. In the summer of repeal, according to Jared Wesley, the Associate Professor of Political Science, Director of Master's Programs at the University of Alberta. Scalgar today on 770 CHQR. As we've just passed 541 now on your Wednesday drive home, let's turn our attention to a young group of people who are trying to raise some money for a very important cause. The Calgary Young People's Theatre hoping to utilize a GoFundMe campaign in hopes of getting some equipment. Joining us now, Artistic Director for the Theatre, Kristen Evely. Kristen, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you so much for having me. Take us through what you guys are dealing with now in terms of this this future that seems to be a little murky right at the moment. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, it's uh, we've been in this theatre space now for five years. Um, we started... Uh, we we moved in there five years ago with two other companies, Green Fools Theatre and Ghost River Theatre. And uh, for five years, you know, we've been a rental venue, but also the home to these three companies. Um, and uh, this year, our lease was up. It was time for renewal. And uh, our friends, the Green Fools, are they're they're moving on um, to new new adventures. And uh, when we moved in. They, the space had nothing, uh, and they provided um, most of the uh, technical equipment that is available in the venue. So most of the lighting, the sound gear, all that. Uh, so when they when they move on in June, um, they need to take their equipment with them. So um, we are uh, currently uh, trying to fundraise to replace uh, everything that they have been uh, so generously uh, allowing the theater to use for the past five years. So, what kind of equipment are we talking here? Yeah, so um, it, it's a lot. It's stage lighting, um, and you know all the cabling and and uh, that goes with that, and then sound equipment, speakers, um, subs, um, uh, a soundboard, and and all the cabling that goes with that as well. We're looking at about um, twenty thousand dollars worth of worth of equipment that we are that we're looking to replace. Give us a little bit of an idea as to the makeup of the group of youngsters that you have with the theater, because I think that there's a lot of people who are going, I've actually never heard of these guys before, but now we have that opportunity to maybe shed a little bit of light on what you guys do. Oh, for sure. Uh, so we're Calgary Young People's Theater, and uh, we work with kids as young as four and as old as 18, uh, but in our in our uh, performance space at West Village Theater, we work with kids between the ages of eight and 18, and we do... Um, we do productions with them, professional uh, caliber productions with them where they we bring on professional uh, production team like directors and designers and stage managers and the kids are all the performers in the plays that we do. So um, they get a real they get a real uh, 
kind of professional experience uh, performing on our stages. And we also give them uh, mentorship opportunities. So they, uh, they get a chance to be assistant directors, assistant stage managers, assistant designers. And then they can kind of put all those skills to use in a festival that we do at the theater every year called Cannonball, which is uh, a youth festival that kids can write their own plays, direct them, design them, stage manage, perform. Um, they do it all. So um, that's, that's kind of uh, what we do in a nutshell. We, we really, uh, you know, we work with kids and, and uh, through all elements of theater and the West Village Theater has really given us an opportunity to grow our programs and expand our, our opportunities that we have for, for young people. What happens if the funding doesn't come through by the time uh, the Green Fools are ready to move out? Um, well, you know, the, the, the Green Fools, um, they have said that they would be able to leave their equipment for a few extra months where we're able to um, continue to put our you know, put our efforts into fundraising for the space. Um, but, you know, by the, when, if we're unable to meet our goals by the time um, the, they need to take their equipment out, then, then, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to figure out what we're going to do. We'll have to probably look for some other rental space and things like that. But um, I will say we're feeling quite positive. Um, you know, people have really stepped up. We've gotten donations of equipment and, um, you know, and, and uh, people have, been contributing uh, monetarily to our to our campaign as well so um you know with the with everyone's contributions and you know the green fools being so generous to let us have the equipment for a few extra months um we're very very confident that we'll be able to meet our goals Mm, and and it never fails either is that it uh in in times of need the city always does step up and so that's got to give you a little bit of a, a light at the end of the tunnel as well Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, when we moved in here five years ago, um, it had, there was nothing left in the venue. And so, um, you know, people really stepped up for us then as well. We were able to, with the, with the money that we fundraised, we were able to, you know, buy some curtains. Like it, it, the space didn't even have curtains then. Um, so, uh, you know, the community has really stepped up for us once before. And, and we're so grateful for uh, what they've been able to do for us. Um, now, um, you know, and our, our, our parent base at Calgary Young People's Theatre has been amazing in um, campaigning for us. Our, our students are scheduling a wake-a-thon that they're going to do next month and, and things like that. So everyone is really stepping up. So Fantastic to hear. I do appreciate the time this afternoon, Kristen. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for, uh, for helping us to spread the word. We really appreciate it. Big thanks to everyone who has uh, put in some congratulations. Yes, uh, today is, for programming note, my last show for a week. I'll be back next Wednesday because there's this kind of thing that's been on my mind over the last little while. I finally get to tell the love of my life that I'm going to love her forever and ever. And it's going to be official and we're going to get married and it's going to be awesome. Now, you guys all uh, brought in some great tips as well. Word of advice for wedding day is make sure someone has a sewing kit. I needed it just before stepping out in front of everyone. Good point. We'll have to keep that into consideration. Joe, hydrate with water and little alcohol. Aaron would actually agree with you on that point. 
Uh, this was the best piece right here. Just enjoy the day. Take it all in. Don't let little things that go wrong or mishaps bug you. It'll be a story for later in life. No matter what happens, you'll be married to your best friend at the end of the day, and everything else is a story for later. Love that from Jay. Now, like I said, I admit I've been a little preoccupied lately. Yeah, there was a provincial election yesterday, but for the first time since I was a teenager, I didn't actually have to cover the election or be called calling the shots in the newsroom. Normally for a political nerd, you'd think that I would have been watching, but I actually wasn't last night. All my attention was on my errand. We're into the final days now before we tie the knot on Saturday. Uh, We're going up to the hills for this. Seriously, I won the lottery with this one, kids. She's thoughtful. She's caring. She's beautiful. I could go on forever, but I don't want to waste my good stuff because I got my vows that I got to get through. And I don't want to cry on the radio. I'm going to try not to. I call her my perfect and I thought I'd give her a call before we ended the show. So uh, we got her on the line now. Hey, hon. Hi. What have you been up to today? I went with my maid of honor to get my nails done. Got a mani and a pedi. And I've been working on the knot for our lover's knot as part of our ceremony. And we are headed to get tanned in about half an hour here. How excited are you for this weekend? Uh, extremely excited. It's something I've been waiting for my whole life. I get to marry the man of my dreams. You're so cute. (laughs) And you are the woman of my dreams. You inspire me every day to be the best man in the world. I'm just so excited to start this new chapter of our lives together. The thought of us standing there, me standing there, waiting for you to come down the aisle, finally get to to see you in this dress, I can only imagine how beautiful you're going to look. I can't, I can't wait for this weekend. I love you. I can't wait either. I love you too. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.